heard all across the United States, Canada, and around the world. This is the Bible Answer Man broadcast with Hank Hanegraaff. Hank is president of the Christian Research Institute. And now, here's Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you much, Randy. Over the last couple of days, been listening to some of uh, the John Hagee predictions in terms of what was going to happen uh, between 2014 and September of 2015. And the more I listened, the more perplexed and unnerved I became. It wasn't because in some sense I started believing John Hagee, but just watching him communicate utter nonsense to thousands of people and seeing them cheer gave me chills. Here's sort of a randomly selected example. Son of man, that's God speaking to Ezekiel, set your face against Gog, that's the man, and the land of Magog, that's his kingdom, the prince of Rosh, that's a proper name, which means Russia, Meshach, which means Moscow, and Tubal, which is an ancient city of Russia, and prophesy against him. Let me reduce that verse to one sentence. Ezekiel is being told by God to deliver a declaration of war against a man and his kingdom. If that were to happen today, here's how it would go. The man would be Putin. The kingdom would be Russia. That's how clear that is. Let Ezekiel (laughs) mention the word Rosh and the imagination of end-time sensationalists like John Hagee simply go through the roof because Rosh sounds enough like Russia, to implicate it as a villain in sensationalistic end-time scenarios. As such, he interprets Rosh as a proper noun referring to a specific place, Russia. The facts, of course, say otherwise. Russia is not a derivation of Rosh. In fact, the word Russia is an 11th century Viking word and as such should not be semantically linked to the Hebrew word Rosh at all. And so what he is doing is simply making something up out of whole cloth, communicating it to his audience, and his audience is lapping it up. Why? Because they have not learned discernment skills, and they don't know how to read the Bible for all it's worth. I mean, this kind of sensationalism is absolutely breathtaking, but it's also dangerous. Here's another clip from John Hagee. Now, which Gentile nations is God warning in this coming eclipse of the sun in the heavens? They are Russia, Iran, Libya, Germany, Turkey, and Ethiopia, the nations that we call the nations of the Arab Spring. Remember the clips of the Asan refers to Gentile nations. The message of the four moons relates to Israel. God's message to Israel is, as I delivered you from Pharaoh when you were in Egypt's bondage, I'm going to deliver you from Iran, from Russia, from Turkey, from Libya, from Germany, from all of the nations who are saying, we're going to wipe you off the map. I'm going to deliver you. So somehow or other, his audience seems convinced that Germany is a nation of the Arab Spring, 
that's about to wipe Israel off the face of the map, in fact, is declaring that they're going to do that. Now, I've never heard anything like that in, in my life, but what is really troubling is that he's tied all of this in to the four blood moons. Well, the four blood moons are now history, and uh, we should expect that John Hagee is going to do another sermon for his constituency and say, I was wrong about all of this. I, uh, I repent of, of causing tens of thousands of people to buy into nonsense. I'm now going to teach you what the Word of God actually says. I'm going to start exegeting the Word of God as opposed to eisegeting the Word of God. Reading my own odd predilections into the Word of God is no longer going to happen in this pulpit. I'm going to be a man of God and I'm going to teach you like a shepherd teaches his flock. I doubt that he's going to say that anytime soon. I think this is like his fifth or sixth event he seized upon to write a book, to sensationalize, to use his over-the-top sophistry, his selling, and his horrendous, and I mean horrendous, torture of Scripture. If I was a person sitting in that audience, I would flee as quickly as I could and also those who were promoting the four blood moons. And you can think about all of the Christian teachers on radio and television who are promoting this nonsense. Some huge names in the Christian world. wonder what they're going to say now. I hope Dobson will do the same thing he did after the millennium bug was proven false. He said, I would have the blood of millions of people on my hands because I was causing complacency in the body of Christ while he was selling generators and freeze-dried food and a book called The Millennium Bug. He did have the common decency to apologize after it didn't even turn out to be a top 10 news story in the year 2000. But the sad thing is, he went right back on the train and got behind Jonathan Kahn, the mystery of Shemitah, which includes Kahn's very convoluted explanation of four blood moons, and then the harbinger, and on and on it goes. At some point, I pray that the body of Christ gets away from the sensationalism and returns to the task of making reproducing disciple-makers always ready to give an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within them with gentleness and with respect. We did a, an article in the Christian Research Journal on Hagee's Magic Apologetics. It was written by Patrick, uh, James Patrick Holding. Uh, that, uh, that article up on the web, you can find it at equip.org. If not, you can uh, order the journal. This is one of the reasons we ask people to subscribe to the Christian Research Journal. It's an award-winning magazine that no Christian home should be without. We've been warning people about this kind of sensationalism for a long time, but not just on the radio. In articles in our flagship magazine, if you have not subscribed, 
you need to do that, you can do that in a safe, secure fashion. Again, on the web, equip.org, or you can write us at Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. And as always, resource consultants, they are standing by 888 and the letters C-R-I. Let's go right to the phone lines. Talk to Danny, St. Mary's, Idaho, listening on the web. Hi. Hi, Hank. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Um, I just got a uh, brief question about uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, um, where Paul is um, talking about the, the dispensation uh, of times. Um, there's, uh, in the King James Version, it uses the word dispensation, and in the New King James Version, it also uses dispensation, but in the New American Standard, and in the Revised Standard Version, it does not use that word. Um, I've been trying to talk to people within my local church about this dispensationalism and try to get them to rethink their, their views on it. Um, and um, my wife, she's the one that brought that up to me this morning. She goes, well, doesn't Paul use distant, the word dispensation? So um, I've heard you say in the past that... Uh, words that are not uh, univocal or equivocal or something. I can't remember exactly how you word it, but um, that basically words take on the meaning that the context allows them to have. And uh, so anyways, I just wanted to hear how you put this this together. And um, basically, I I know that I I think that the meaning of dispensation and dispensationalism is two separate things. So anyways, I'll let you comment. Yeah, sure. Of course, this has nothing to do with dispensationalism, and I appreciate you making uh, some clarifications in the prologue to your question. It is true that words are not univocal, they're equivocal, they take on the meaning that the context allows them to have. And obviously the context of Ephesians 1.10 has nothing whatsoever to do with the dispensationalism that is being communicated by people like John Hagee. Dispensationalism as an eschatological construct uh, is the viewpoint by which God has two distinct people, the church and national or ethnic Israel, with two distinct plans and with two distinct destinies. And dispensationalism is distinctive for its teaching that the church will be raptured from the earth in the first phase of Christ's second coming so that God can return to his work with national Israel, which, of course, in dispensationalism has been put on hold until uh, uh, after the time that Israel uh, rejected the Messiah. It's been put on hold uh, until uh, the time that the church gets raptured out of the world. And God's renewed working with Israel is thought by many dispensationalists to include a seven-year period of tribulation under the Antichrist in which uh, two-thirds of the Jewish people will be killed, followed by the second phase of Christ's second coming in which Christ and the martyred tribulation saints are going to rule for a thousand years from a rebuilt temple with a reinstituted sacrificial system. Uh, And as I pointed out on the broadcast, this idea was first conceived by John Nelson Darby in the 19th century and then popularized by prophecy pundits such as Hal Lindsey and Tim LaHaye in the 20th century and now uh, taken to a whole new level by false teachers like John Hagee. 
uh, who uh, simply butchers the biblical text uh, to make uh, passages appear to be talking about a pre-tribulational rapture when they're not talking about that at all. Uh, I have no problem with someone holding to this notion, but I do have a problem with people butchering the text and using the text as a very clear pretext for what they want to preach or communicate. Uh, by the way, uh, John Hagee uh, was saying that it may very well be before uh, September 28th, which was uh, uh, is today, and, and before... Uh, the, uh, the, the end of the, the four blood moon uh, period, he was saying that it could very well be that his congregation wouldn't even be uh, upon the earth at all, that they'd be watching all of this taking place from streets of gold in heaven or streets of glory in heaven. Uh, so he was suggesting that the rapture might well have taken place and might have taken uh, all his people up to heaven, taking the church out of the world uh, before the terminus date, September 28th. He said he didn't know for sure, but could very well be. Well, of course, that hasn't happened, but the fact of the rapture or the fact that two-thirds of the Jews, once they're herded in the Holy Land, are going to uh, be involved in a bloody holocaust is simply uh, unwarranted. There's no biblical basis for making these kinds of wild and uh, ridiculous kinds of prophecies. The, 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 there's no warrant for uh, flaming uh, or in, inflaming the, the, the fuse of Armageddon in, in the present. There's, there, there's simply no basis for doing it. It is certainly the kind of thing that titillates. I mean, you can see why his congregation is, is applauding, because they're not going to be among the two-thirds that are going to be butchered they're going to be in heaven, they're going to be celebrating. Uh, so again, you can imagine they're being very, very happy. But what about the Jews? Why didn't I see tears for the other part of the equation? Why just applause when Hagee says, doesn't matter to us, we'll be out of here. <laughs> we'll be on the streets of glory. It, it, it's, quite, it, it's quite troubling. Uh, not only amazing that so many people have bought into what he says, but quite troubling. Yeah, um, there's there's really no true Jews left in the world, is there? I mean, when it comes down to the 12 tribes. Well, it none of this makes any difference whether there is or there is not. Um, because the issue is it's not a matter of genealogy. It never has been a matter of genealogy. It is a matter of true Israel, and true Israel is not determined by your race or your birth mother. True Israel has always biblically been determined by your relationship to Yahweh, the God of Israel, revealed in Jesus Christ. And I love when Peter uh, finally understood this, and he makes a point of it himself. He says the vision was given him three times. He finally understood it. And when he did, he said, ah, now I understand God does not show favoritism. We'll be right back with more answers to your questions. Thank you very much, Randy. Let's go right back to our phone callers. Next up is Rick. He's listening in Birmingham, Alabama, Sirius XM 131. Hi, Rick. Hey, Rick. How are you doing today? Doing well, thank you. Hey, uh, I've listened to you quite a bit being a trucker. Uh, 
I just wanted to ask you a quick question, and I'm going to listen to you on the radio. Uh, you talked about that you, uh, I think you said you don't believe in the rapture and tribulation period. And I was going to ask you about the scriptures that talk about the Antichrist signing a peace treaty for three and a half years, breaking in the middle and persecuting the Jews and Christians. And uh, this thought I'd see what you uh, could tell me on that. So yeah, uh, what, what passage is that? On the radio. What, what, what passage is that? Uh, I can't say. I, I believe it's in Revelations. Well, Revelation doesn't use the word Antichrist at all, so it can't be in the book of Revelation. But yeah, uh, the, the the truth of the matter is there's uh, there's no warrant whatsoever for suggesting that we're going to have a special tribulation like unto uh, the tribulations that were mentioned in Scripture under the Old Testament Antichrist and Tychus the Fourth Epiphanes, or the one predicted by Jesus Christ that came about precisely as Jesus Christ predicted it. What there is warrant for believing is that, as Jesus put it, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's go right back to our uh, phone calls, and we'll talk to a Randy. He's listening in British Columbia, Canada. Hi. Well, thank you, uh, Hank. Thanks for taking my call. My first question is, do you believe that uh, John Hagee is a true believer, or do you believe that he's a wayward Christian teaching the Word of God? Yeah, I, certainly uh, he's wayward in his teachings of the Word of God, but I cannot judge his eternal destiny. I cannot judge his motives. Uh, only the Holy Spirit knows why he does what he does. He says that he has been studying the Word for 54 years every single day. And if that is indeed true, one would think that he would be able to figure out the art and science of biblical interpretation such that he does not distort the words of our Lord in the Olivet Discourse, that he does not distort okay. the words of the prophet I, Joel. I respect that. Yeah. Yeah I, re- yeah, I respect that. But I've been teaching the Bible for years, and I have a passion for the Word of God and, and, and biblical teaching. But what I don't, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if he is a wayward believer, then the Bible would encourage you to go in private, and if he doesn't listen to you, bring witnesses and correct him in private instead of over the air. Oh, no, that's not true at all. That is not true at all. No, no, no. What what you just said is just false. And and, 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 uh, if you've been teaching the Bible and reading the Bible, I don't think that it is well for you to say what you just said, because if someone is dispensing spiritual cyanide by the megadose over the airwaves, uh, then he should be called out publicly on that, not privately. Uh, so to distort what the scriptures say in Matthew chapter 18 is unfair to people listening to you right now. And, and if you have studied through the Bible, as John Hagee has for 54 years, you're at least familiar uh, with the you're, passages you're with, that, that, that... That's that, not fair. That's not fair what you just told me right now. Yeah, I'm just saying that... What's not fair? At one point or the... Wait, no, listen. At one point or another, as a, as a loving brother you're going to go and try to correct him if he's wrong. And what you do is you air out your laundry against a brother. And I'm saying we can't do that in this day and age. We have to, because the church is... But, but wait a minute, a, wait a minute. What, I'm trying to make a point here, and I think 
to listen to the conclusion of the point might be worthwhile. Uh, You're familiar with Galatians chapter 2, where Paul rebukes Peter publicly, or 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul... I'm not saying that's always wrong, Hank. I'm not saying that's always wrong and uh, to, uh, to rebuke somebody publicly. I'm just saying that if he's been teaching the Word of God for 50 years, there has to be some level of respect. And if he's that wrong, then it behooves you and I to go and correct him in private so that the world doesn't see us shooting each other in the foot. This is and not shooting crazy. each other in the foot. This is taking the Word of God and it is rightly dividing the Word of God, or teaching people the art and science of biblical interpretation, teaching people discernment skills. John Hagee has been called on the carpet by many people over many different years. He continues to do what he does, and he does it in a very bombastic way. In other words, if you disagree with with him, uh, he has uh, some choice words. Uh, uh, for his his dissenters. Uh, if you've listened to his style, it is not gentleness and respect, nor is he a okay. very teachable individual. So your, 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 your um, view on him is that he's not probably a biblical uh, sound teacher, and so... Well, it's not my view. Person. It's very obvious to anyone who reads no, through there, the Bible... millions of people that No, there are a lot of people that hold their Bibles, but there aren't many people that read their Bibles. And what I'm saying is that what I I think is important to recognize here is that John Hagee is very obviously deceiving people in many different ways. I mean, you can take it out of the biblical realm and say, uh, let's not make this a matter of biblical interpretation, maybe just doesn't know how to do it. Let's take it to the idea of what he is communicating, that Jesus Christ is a prosperous Jesus Christ who lives in a big house. He distorts Scripture there, but then he also wants to teach a word of faith idea that faith is a force, words are the containers of the force, and what you say creates your reality. So what does he do? He will make up a story, or he'll take an urban legend, and he will use that to buttress his point. So he talks about Nick... I respect what you're saying, but but at what point do you and I go to such a brother if we think he's a brother, which I don't know what you believe. Well, I think what you believe is he's not a brother in the Lord. So what... Well, I, I, honestly, I honestly would not make that statement. The, okay. the statement that I would well, yeah, make... I could, yeah, Well, it's not because it's too harsh. I cannot... I, I want to leave what is in the province of the Holy Spirit in the province of the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is that when he is hurting the body of Christ, I mean, there are all kinds of people make, making life decisions based on what he said about the four blood moons. Uh, he is profiting mightily uh, uh, on the basis of what he's saying. Uh, he's responsible for what he's saying. He's saying it publicly in print. He's saying it publicly over the airways. He's saying it on secular television. And I think that there's a place for reproving someone uh, personally. In other words, if you have a, a, a brother who is sinning against you, John Hagee isn't sinning against me personally, 
then I have to go show him his fault, just between the two of us. And if he listens to me, I've won my brother over. But if he doesn't listen, take one or two along so that every matter might be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Eventually, you take it to the church, and if he doesn't listen to the church, uh, then you treat him like, like a pagan. Like, like, like a tax collector. This, yeah. is, this is what Jesus so says in Matthew I, chapter 18. Yeah. But, but the point that I was trying to get th- uh, across here, w- w- with all due respect, Randy, is that over and over again you have examples of public rebuke for people who are communicating false doctrine that very much injures the body of Christ. So, for but example, just if you, if you just bear with me one more moment, I mean, yeah. Yeah. if you think yeah. about John rebu- rebuking Diotrephes publicly, um, yeah. well, the, the, there's a, a reason for that. Uh, it, it is so that others may take the warning. Uh, it, it is why Hymenaeus and Philetus were in Alexander the coppersmith, and, and so many other examples that, that you can give uh, in Scripture, why they're pointed out because their teachings are spreading like gangrene. And you know what gangrene does to a person. So the, the Bible's using metaphors and examples to point out that, whoa, this is not no harm, no foul. If you have a large platform, there's a large responsibility. I remember years yeah. ago that I spent the yeah. time with Benny Hinn, um, uh, I, I was uh, thinking that perhaps because he had such a big audience, I would, I would spend personal time with him as I did over quite a protracted period of time, going out to dinner uh-huh. with him, talking to him, etc. And after a while, I got to the point of recognizing that what I was saying, though received collegi- collegially, I mean, we had a good time talking, and, and made no difference in terms of what he was doing publicly. And therefore, I finally realized there, there's little, uh, there, there's little warrant in continuing on with this. And 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 I would say that as far as John Hagee is concerned, he is a very bombastic individual. If you listen to him, I think that's not an unkind but a a fair description. In terms of how he's treating yeah. other people, how he's speaking about other people, how he is communicating his message, I, I think that's a fair. Uh, maybe strong, but 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 a fair characterization. But what he yeah. is doing that I'm really concerned about is he's I've, causing I've, people to make yeah. life decisions that are very detrimental to them yeah. personally. He's done some things that I don't agree. I don't agree with. But I, I just my heart for the church. It's 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 heavy because it just seems that you know we as it makes it, scripture tells us that we're to make uh, every uni, uh, every effort for the unity of the faith and if he's a non-believer in that category then that's one thing but if he's a wayward believer if he's a sensational like you're saying cuz you made the point that there's no basis i think i heard you right you said there's no basis to say that two out of every three there'll be uh, jews will perish in the end times and that that's right. Um, I, you know, I have said that, Holocaust. probably not well, in that exact context, but yes, you're right. Yeah, and I think that there is a basis, because I have friends who are rabbinical or Messianic Jews who, who have told me that there are rabbinical Jews coming to know Yeshua HaMashiach as their believer. These people know Hebrew and Greek, and they believe that there's going to be a second Holocaust if you support a Jew 
to, to make Aliyah to Israel. But why? But why? Why are the Jews in the 21st century going to be held accountable for the sins of their forefathers in the first century? Well, you could make that point for... No, I'm asking the question. I'm not making a point. I'm simply asking the question. How do you support that notion biblically? Because as a nation, as a nation who, who uh, the patriarchs, and they gave us the Word of God, they gave us the, the covenants through, through the Jews, um, what, 95 or 100% of all the authors of the Bible are Jews. They're the ones that they were the chosen people... But but why should they be held accountable for the sins of their because forefathers? Because of their platform, because of their role in history, because of their role as a nation, as a unique role. So in the a end Jew time, in the twenty first century, because they, they because their birth mother, uh, they had a certain birth mother. Uh, a you're Jew, asking about a mystery. You're, you're, that's a good question, Hank. But that's a difficult question to answer. I could answer it, but I don't think anybody knows why God holds the next generation accountable. But we do. We, 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 know that, we, we know that God doesn't. I mean, God spends a whole chapter in Ezekiel 18 underscoring that point so that no one could miss the point. The other thing, too, is I think it's really important that we do not read the prophets in an incorrect fashion. For example, if you read Ezekiel without recognizing the historical backdrop, that he is in Babylon. He's on the south of the Kibar River. He's in exile, and he has seen the temple in Jerusalem destroyed, and he's looking wistfully into the eastern sky, and he's praying for the restoration that will take place under Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah. He's pining for that moment. But if you don't take that historical context into mind, then you could think that maybe he was talking not about a second temple, but a third or a fourth temple. But if you read it in the historical context, and I really appreciate your, uh, your, your pronunciations of Jewish words and your great knowledge in this area, I think that no, you I'm would be in a, in, in a, well, I think you'd be in a very uh, unique position to go back to these biblical passages and to read them um, in the sense in which they're intended, which is to say, taking into consideration the historical context. I really appreciate the graciousness with which you conducted the conversation. It was wonderful to talk to you. I respect your, uh, your, your knowledge. I uh, unfortunately can't continue the conversation because we're out of time for this edition of the Bible Ministry Man broadcast. So many people hanging on right now. I'm just going to stick here for an extra hour, continue. Uh, taking calls. Uh, those that are hanging on trying to get through, I'll try to answer your question in the next hour. If you want to call in a question during the next hour, you can try that as well. 888 Just Keep dialing that number for the next hour. Numerically, 888-275-4265. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Bible Lance Man Broadcast. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow with more of the show. We appreciate you tuning in to the Bible Answer Man broadcast. Before we sign off today, here's our contact information. By phone, dial 888-7000-CRI, which translates to 888-7000-274. On the internet, go to equip.org. That's equip.org. You can also write CRI at Post Office Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina. The zip code is 28271. Our prayer is that today's broadcast has equipped you to better defend your faith and encouraged you to pursue sound doctrine and godly living. Thank you for listening.
The Bible Answer Man broadcast is supported solely by listeners like you. We're on the air because life and truth matter.